up, podcasters. It's me, Clive Holland, from The Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. Now, I would love you to tune in and catch me doing my thing Monday through Thursday from midday till 2pm on the planet's only radio station for builders, Fix Radio. On this week's packed podcast, I started off by discussing mental health, as July is known as Talk To Us Month. It's about raising awareness of the importance of talking about well-being issues with friends, colleagues and professionals to prevent situations from spiralling to crisis point. We spoke to Bill Hill, a Lighthouse Club CEO, uh, Emma-Jane Taylor, well-being expert and tradesperson Stephen Blair, who is the co-founder of Mentalk. I then focused on trade associations and asked, are they worth it? I spoke to Neil Ogilvie, CEO of the Painting and Decorating Association, Fiona Harper, Director of Employment and Skills at Select, and Sean Kelly, a member of the Dulux Association. Then we moved on to the topic of, can it be too hot to work? Do we need legislation to protect on-site workers? We spoke to Matt Williams, Senior GMB Steward at Hinkley Point, Dr Jeff Foster, a GP specialising in men's health, and Dave Finnegan from Elwood Enterprises. And to finish off proceedings, we discussed the biggest mistakes on site and how much it set you back. We heard some great stories from James Norton, Nick Bundy and Sean Matthews. All in all then, another packed, blooming podcast. Enjoy. The Clive Holland Show with Tradeify, the job management software to help get your business on track. Make a life, not just a living. Try the free 14-day trial. Download the Tradeify app today. Today we focus once again on mental health. Uh, Talk to us month uh, has run all the way through July. Uh, It's an annual uh, awareness raising campaign, uh, as I say, observed throughout the July period. Uh, This is supported by construction industry charity, The Lighthouse Club, good friends of ours as well, who are raising awareness of the importance of talking about well-being issues with friends, colleagues and professionals to prevent situations from spiralling spiralling to crisis point. Um, Now then, who better to discuss this important issue, none other than our great friend, Bill Hill, CEO of The Lighthouse Club. Bill Can you explain for those that don't know what services the Lighthouse Club provide in general and what Talk To Us Month hopes to achieve on top of that? Well, as a charity, as you know, we are funded by the industry for the people to support everybody in the industry. And we offer five key services absolutely free to to anybody to come and get support from us. First of all, we have the 24-7 free helpline. Um, which anybody can call at any time and will give people emotional support, physical support, financial support um, if they're in trouble. And if people aren't confident enough to make that telephone call, then we have now got a text service, which is text hard hat uh, to 85258. And you can immediately get access to a counsellor via text. And you can have a text conversation if you're not quite confident enough to, to make the call. Then we have our fantastic little downloadable app called the Construction Industry Helpline app, which is absolutely packed with information, advice and guidance across, again, all the three topics of emotional support, physical support and financial support. And it's got lots and lots of pathways to get extra help and support from lots of places around the country. 
then we've got our master classes for those that are feeling want to be a little more proactive about learning about how to cope with stress or building resilience. We've got a whole suite of master classes that are 45 minutes to an hour long, tutor led. Uh, you can sign up for them for free. And again, there's some little golden nuggets there that can help you. And the last service is we have got now linked together a fantastic nationwide network of what we've called Lighthouse Beacons. And these are places all around the country, physical places where people who are working away from home um, or even people who are just in the area can drop in on those places and talk to other people in a, in a very safe environment, non-judgmentally, and talk to other people with lived experience and also they will help signpost people to get help as well. So those are the five key services that we deliver absolutely free to anyone at any time. That That's is better. absolutely amazing. I mean, the, each time we speak, it just grows and grows. Um, and what you're doing is quite amazing. And recently, the Lighthouse Club partnered with Ford uh, for the Make It Visible initiative. How is that going? Oh, this is going immensely well. Um, we've now uh, had one, two, three, five tours um, so far. And the, the four-day tours we get, we get tradesmen in this very highly visible van provided by Ford. It's absolutely, I mean, you cannot miss it. And uh, we've been going to to sites and to builders, merchants around the country, and just talking to the trades. Um, it's it's you know not it's a bit disappointing but not unsurprising that uh, about eighty to ninety percent of those people that we talk to don't even know we exist as a charity to support them but now they do and uh, I think we've now nearly seen about four thousand trades on the ground talking to them starting the conversation which is vitally important just to get people talking about this stuff. And we know this particular initiative has saved lives because during the course of that time, we've intervened with critical situations and we've got at least seven people into counselling straight away because they were highly vulnerable about taking their own lives. So, so we know this programme is actually saving lives as well as making people aware of the other services that we join. Because as you said right at the opening, if people can talk about their problem early on, in the process and share their problem with other people and prevent it getting to crisis point. That's a far better way than trying to pull back somebody from a crisis point and bring them back to a more sustainable situation. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. Now, I have to throw back to uh, 2019 when we when we first made contact, really. I would not long worked at Fix Radio and um, in fact, it was a couple of weeks in and uh, I got a, I got a call coming up on the board. I didn't even know how to answer the call at that stage. I've got to be honest with you. Uh, but it was a young lad who'd uh, taken over his dad's business because his dad had uh, taken his own life and he, t- he was two years in and he was saying, I feel exactly the same way. I need somebody to talk to. Then, then you know, the people at Fix said to me, well, we've we've got the, you know, the Lighthouse Club. Uh, we've also got Bill Hill, and we've, you know, and it was amazing. And the letter we had ha- after that uh, from this particular gent, or from his mum, I think it was, about how it saved his life, is quite incredible. And I didn't know anything about it. I was, t- I was totally oblivious to it. And now, you know, being being chatting with you and and so on, and even uh, being part last year, I was very fortunate uh, on a fundraising. Uh, to to um, MC uh, um, a lighthouse club fundraising event uh, was just amazing to see everybody at work and, and all, all these people pulling together. Um, and you know, I was also shocked at that time. You were telling me that on average, then we were losing uh, five 
uh, uh, construction workers to suicide every day. Now that grew, and the ONS figures are still continuing um, to show us that now we're losing, on average, two construction workers to suicide every day. Is that still the same thing? Well, we don't know the the latest results. I, I am hoping, um, really hoping, the the results come out round about um, October time when the ONS statistics come together. And I really hope that you know, with all the effort that industry as a whole is putting into this, as well as you know, the initiatives our charity and, and other people as well. We're not the only uh, organisation doing this, but we're trying so hard within construction. Uh, to change these dials i'm just hoping that we're making some some inroads to that and 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 it is key the more people we get talking about this then and 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 been able to reduce the stigma i see our biggest problem as a charity is awareness people to know that we're actually there and breaking down this the stigma about talking about this subject with your 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 fellow colleagues or even making a call to to us to help that's the two biggest barriers we've got to making a huge success uh, of this and actually changing the dials and, and changing the culture uh, within within our industry, which is, is so necessary to be a better place to work and also a better place for to encourage the next generation to come into our industry because we're desperately short of of uh, of, of labour um, going forward as well. So we've got to make it a really good place for people to want to come and work. Indeed. Now, in terms of uh, volunteers, are there any opportunities for volunteers to join in on the initiative or to help with future events, Bill? Yeah, we're we're always looking for volunteers. Um, you know, we 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 have you know there's two ways of volunteering. One, you can help with the fundraising, which is always necessary if we're going to keep all of these services um, absolutely free. Uh, then that is good. But also, if uh, if you're working for a company who is uh, looking at trying to put in place. Um, uh, a, a methodology of putting a, a, a mental health program in place, then come to talk to us well because we could have people who are mental health first aiders and we train mental health first aiders uh, to come come forward and that would be a good way to, to help and volunteer as well. And it's for a fantastic cause. Now, just before you go, Bill, I mean, I'd love to talk to you about this for longer, but we ran out of time, sadly. Can you share the details for the helpline once again and the text hard hat, please? Okay, so the, the helpline number is very simple, 0345 605 1956, and that's there 24-7. Or you can text HARDHAT to 85258, and then both those instances, you'll get instant help. Uh, Bill, as always, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you're doing a fantastic job, you and everyone that's uh, on board uh, with um, the Lighthouse Club, but also everybody that, that helps anyone that's in any sort of problem mentally um, and, and putting them back on the right track, hopefully. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, we'll, no doubt we will talk again in the near future. Thank you, mate. Cheers, Clive. The Clive Holland Show on Fixed Radio. Here to discuss this and more is plumber Stephen Blair, who is also a co-founder and head of community for Mentalk. Tell us how Mentalk came about. How did that start and why? It originally started... By myself, Steve Smith and Lee Woodgate. We was all self-employed tradesmen. Um, we was at a trade event. We was discussing the stresses of being self-employed. And then the conversation slowly turned to mental health. I started talking about my past and it kind of grew from there. We realised that there's something deeply ingrained in men. At first, we were initially looking at the trades guys. Then we realised that was just the tip of the iceberg in society and in men. 
there's just a problem where we don't talk about our problems and we are the biggest contributors to people losing their life to suicide, unfortunately. So indeed, where indeed. came from. I'm, I'm so glad it did come about, that's for sure. Now, as someone in the trade, is it hard to spot signs that a colleague might be going through a tough time? We, we have a, a mentor community, which is a Facebook community. And within that group, we've got people who struggle with mental health daily. People have bouts of struggles and people who've never struggled at all. And those guys who've never struggled at all are kind of in the group. So they're more aware of people's behaviours and how to help people. So I think a big thing like you, you can recognise in your co-workers if their behaviour is just not the same anymore. Maybe they're missing work. You know, they don't look as presentable as they was. Self-care pattern normally is one of the first things to go when people are struggling. So, you know, their appearance, their appetite, not turning to work, not socialising anymore. Those are key signs, really, that something maybe not quite right that you can spot with the person you're working with. Maybe just go to one side with them and ask them if they're all right. Nine times out of ten, they're going to say, yeah, they're okay. Because people who generally struggle have struggled for a long time become the masters of hiding things. Um, so, it's yeah, it's all about picking up on that things and just making yeah. them aware that there's somebody there for them when they're ready to talk. Are men talk doing any initiatives in particular during Talk to Us Month? So, as people who generally long-time sufferers, a lot of us, we kind of take the dance of what about all the other days in the year. So, it's every yeah. day is the same to us. So, yeah, it's good to see people, you know, raising awareness on these months and that. But to people who've suffered for a long time, every day is the same. So we just continue to do what we do and support people that need us. So like I said, we've got the Facebook group and we do some fundraisers throughout the year. Um, we've got one of our admins at the minute, Ray Timmins, is one of our personal trainers. So he offers fitness and advice to guys in the community who anybody wants to have a bit of a healthy lifestyle change, which is great for mental health. Craig's doing a, a fundraiser this year for a little boy who's lost his limbs. So he's walking from Blockswich to Blackpool. So we're going to kind of get behind him this year and support him there. Hopefully we may have a calendar out and some other little bits and bobs. It's good for our community because the guys in the community feel a part of something. So I think yeah. for men in general, we struggle and we feel isolated and we isolate ourselves even more when we're down and when we're struggling with something. But just feeling a part of a community and reaching out and knowing that there's guys there you can speak to as and when you need to, it's really reassuring. It is indeed. Now, how can someone who's listening now get advice from or get involved with Mentalk? You can find us on Instagram. We are Mentalk. You can also find us on LinkedIn. And we've also got a Facebook page and also Facebook community group. Uh, we are Mentalk. So the community group is solely for men. Whatever is said inside that group is in confidence. The group kind of runs itself. There's no derogative comments. There's no bullying. Nothing goes on inside that group other than, you know, support. For support. One another. And that, that's Brilliant. what it's all about, really. For men, we just don't talk like women do. We don't support each other. We are, you know, we are masters of taking the mick out of one another. And I think it's a lot of fear. Guys won't open up for that fear of one of their mates taking the mick out of them. And really, all they want is a bit of reassurance, probably from another alpha male that 
it's okay to feel like that and you're not on your own feeling the way that you do and uh, exactly that and and it's not weak to speak as they say uh, Stephen, listen, thank you so much for sparing the time to come on the Clive Holland Show. Uh, you're doing a fantastic job. Uh, keep it up, and hopefully uh, we will break that ceiling and get guys to talk more often about how they're feeling. Uh, thank you, mate. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much, Clive. Take care. All the best. Fix Radio. Bish, bash, bosh. Here to discuss how we can potentially spot signs in ourselves as well as others, uh, with, with, of course, family and friends as well, is well-being expert and good friend of the show, Emma Jane Taylor. Now, first of all, what should we be looking out for in ourselves as well that might point towards issues with our mental health. Sometimes, you've got to bear in mind, in our industry, Emma, as you know, it's mainly geezers, right? Right, uh, Blokes, okay. a lot of us struggle to talk. So how do we? how can we sense if something's going wrong? I think if you're looking at yourself, and I think you're absolutely right, and I hate to say it, you know, guys don't like to talk about... Um, their mental health and I've spoken to so many men over the years who said I you know who've lost their friends and I think recently a boxer said the same on an interview where his friend took his life just before he was about to play he said I wish I'd rather he was crying on my shoulder than me going to his funeral and of course you know that's all very you know it's all very hard and, and and then you know afterwards you know we reflect but actually what can we do and I think you know for many men you must men we we know what's what's right and wrong for us so you know if you're doing something that's different to how maybe you've been uh, you know doing it for the last few years like i.e your 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 routine your breakfast your lunch your dinner your you know your fitness routine your emotional routine if something doesn't feel right and you know that you're going within yourself you know don't be afraid to have that conversation maybe with a mate because your mate might just be going through the same thing maybe you're starting to identify things yourself that just don't seem normal for you and and I use that word normal loosely because what is normal all of our lives are very different and we can't assess how someone else is behaving against how we behave and I think what we do um, as a society is that we always look at how people are performing in their worlds and their lives but we've got to stop doing that and look at how we are performing and so you know if a guy is you know if you're looking at your life this morning and you're listening to this thinking actually I've really noticed you know I used to go running you know 5k every day and now I can barely do a 1k walk why is that you know maybe I used to go and see my mates for lunch and I just don't do that maybe I used to talk to my family once a week and I just don't seem to be able to do that they could be tiny warning signs that there could be something else going on within and you're just not prepared to really look at it maybe there's a problem emotional problem a mental health problem a physical problem maybe there's a problem you're worried about money your relationship family friends whatever it is you're not alone and I think we have to take that Clive and remember our normal isn't the same as others and we are never alone in life there's always someone there to talk to uh, the guy I think you were talking about was the UFC fighter, Paddy Pimblett. Um, yes, that's it. And when you think about that, a tough UFC fighter and, and still being able to shield themselves and put on this face that yes. says, I'm okay, you know, but inside, yes. you know, they're not. And this is the big problem we've got in our industry uh, in construction. Now, is there anything tradespeople can do daily to care for their mental health and overall well-being? 
for guys I do I, I see this a lot through my work I think you know I try as someone who's very very into my mental emotional physical health to get outside once a day to go and see nature to just have a even if it's just a short 10 or 15 minutes just to have some downtime make sure that I'm looking at my nutrition in a healthy way you know I can't imagine um, how easy it is on the construction sites to be able to do that. I've certainly seen it in some of the worlds that I've gone gone through in my life that it's not always easy to eat healthy, but having healthy foods, being outside is a great way of supporting mental health. And it doesn't have to be hours. It doesn't have to be at the gym. It doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to be pumping iron every day. Just getting outside, getting near water is always good because water, someone once said to me, water is very calming. If you ever get a chance to get near water, so you know just little things like that I think Clive can really help and I guess you know for, for, for the guys on the construction sites not easy I guess there's a lot of male bravado bravado that goes on but you know actually why don't you all start talking about embracing nature embracing the great outdoors you know the guys are working outside a lot I'm sure but are you actually looking around or just focusing on what the job is in hand at that moment you know maybe you maybe you could look around and actually behind you there's a nice field and and look at that or the scenery out to the sea or wherever it is in the world just absorb it because you know the simple things can be the biggest changes for our mental health and like I say for me it's about embracing nature and having a good nutrition Um, I don't actually drink alcohol I don't I'm not sure Clive what the construction industry (laughs) is like with um, with drinking but I, I don't drink I don't smoke but if you are starting to recognise that you're drinking and smoking more, have a look at that as well. Important advice there. Uh, now, for anyone else that needs advice, how can they get in contact with you? Clive, they just go to my website and that's emmajanetaylor.com and you'll find all my social media and contact details there if you want to talk further. Uh, Emma, it's great. I know you're on your holiday and I really appreciate you sparing the time, but it's such an important subject and you've given us some great advice there. So please enjoy the rest of your holiday. Thank you so much for giving up that time and no doubt we'll speak again in the near future. I'm sure and I hope so too. Fix Radio, made for the trade. I just want to say to everyone out there, everyone out there at the minute, I love you guys uh, for, for getting involved in the show again today. It's been so good of you to send in your messages. We're talking about mental health awareness, and it is something that's really close to us all, I believe. In another, uh, And the campaign Talk to Us Month as well has been running throughout July. Uh, this one's coming from Matthew Collins from Pure Maintenance. Thank you, Matthew. He says, I asked my mate who I work with uh, and asked me if he felt okay, and he said, yes, he did. Uh, and then when asked again... He said, no, he wasn't feeling okay. And from that point, I helped him with work, like reminding him about things and just uh, not taking on too much work uh, because he was struggling with it. And he seems to be a lot happier now. So I don't mind putting my work on hold to help a mate out. That is so good of you uh, there, Matthew. And thanks for getting in touch with the show. Luke says, PNS, uh, the company, that's obviously the company he works for, insist on six monthly health and well-being sessions with a trained therapist. At first it was a bit embarrassing, but now I think it's good. Well, that's brilliant. And Jay says, we all feel down occasionally, but if you're strong-minded and think about the good things in your life, you'll stay on the right road. That, Jay, is easier said than done. For those with the strong mind, yes. And even some of those with strong minds, believe me, they are feeling it under that mask. So that's why it's important to ask them 
uh, if they're okay. Cormac says, wow, this Scotsman, being Bill Hill, has a very hypnotic tone to his voice. He could make you eat raw onions and you believe they were apples. He's got a great voice, I agree. Uh, this one from Gary M on Twitter. He says, well done uh, for getting this message out in the open, Clive. Uh, sadly, headlines like this don't help the cause. And he was mentioning, this is something we did on the show, uh, Builders Go Woke. Didn't help at all. You're spot on. Uh, thanks for that, Gary. Now, I've got to take a deep breath with this one. Uh, David Evans says, now, I do realise this is a favourite subject of yours, Clive. How can it possibly be a favourite subject? It's a, it's a load of tosh. It's something that is close to me, something that I really, really hit home to me through this very radio station uh, back in 2019. So that's why it's something I feel is very important. Everybody should do as well. He said, uh, but I can assure you that 40 years or so in this construction industry, I don't think I can ever remember one incident of mental health problems in any of my colleagues or staff. Okay, therefore, I will ask you and your experts, is this the modern life that is causing most of the pressure? Pressure to conform and be a certain way because society expects you to look and feel the same way as every other sheep in the field? Is it the newfangled gizmos that everybody plans their life around these days that might be contributing to the problem? That's how it looks to me from here. Well, look, David, you are... I'm I'm happy you're giving your opinion. That's, that's no problem. But I just think that was then, this is now. We're in a modern era, 21st century. Talk, and especially men, geezers, talk for goodness sake. Do not let this fester. It's as simple as that. Nathan says, I think far more traders uh, that I've spoken to lately are suffering. Some of my best mates in the industry are stressed because jobs are being cancelled or they fear they will be. If the economy continues to hit the customers hard, other than emergency work, uh, will get put off. Timely, this subject, Clive, well done. Uh, it's always timely, I think. Uh, Ray Smith Services says, what are you like at opening up, Clive? Oh, here we go. Uh, you always sound confident, but you must have had tough moments. You tell us to speak up, but do you practice what you preach? I never preach, by the way, never um, I'll be waiting. Well, let's put it to you like this. Um, I always love helping others without a shadow of a doubt. It's one of my joys I love doing. When it comes to me, and yes, I've had some tough times. Believe me, I've had some tough times, but I am rubbish at talking. So I am one of the old school, I'm afraid. Uh, hands up. Uh, Noel says, from 2001 to 2010, my life was in a downward spiral, dark days. Then I broke down in a cab. Can the cabbie was my saviour. That's all I want to say. Well, that's good enough for me, Noel. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. Today we discuss trade associations. Uh, now, trade associations is an organisation that works for its interests of its members, in particular in a particular industry. Uh, but are they worth it to tradespeople in this current climate? How do they benefit our tradespeople? Are you associated to one? And if so, why? Now, here to discuss this and more is Neil Ogilvie. He's the CEO of the Painting and Decorating Association. Neil, now then, tell us this. Why should painters and decorators sign up to the association? Okay, Clive, well, I think basically in this day and age now to actually get the support, the skills, knowledge for the sector and give our members a market profile, I think it's something that a trade body can really set the standard. Um, when we watch all these programmes about getting trades into home, we always try and say, well, you know, if you can get someone from a, a trade association, a, a federation, that is all to the good. And like I always say, Clive, a lot of these people, they'll do the training at college, 
and they'll come out with a handful of qualifications. But I think we all know that out there it's quite a, a tough world out there in, in business these days with changing legislation. So, you know, you come out of college with a load of qualifications, but to actually start then to delve into running the business, dealing with the clients, meeting the clients, doing all your quotation, your paperwork, all those sorts of things can be difficult. And it's those areas where being part of a trade body, we can help those members to actually run a professional uh, company and to make sure that when they're speaking with the client, the client feels comfortable employing that decorator. So how about this? Because this has been uh, on the rise of late, a client dispute. So how can the association help say, uh, your painters and decorators solve those or help solve right. them. Yeah, with client disputes, we've had a huge increase of those, Clive, over the years. A lot of them, believe it or not, speaking to members, can be professional non-payers. So the job's done. There's no issues with the job throughout the contract. But when the invoice goes in, suddenly a snagging list comes along. So we try and encourage members to ensure that when they're doing the quotations, it's all written, it's all professionally written down. If any extra work needs to be done during the contract, again, they agree this with the client, it's written down. And at the end of the job, just spend that half an hour with the client ensuring the work is to their standard rather than leaving it till after the job's finished and then the snagging list comes in. So the association, we do, Clive, offer a full free mediation, arbitration and conciliation service. This is there for the member so that if something happens with the client or if, for instance, a, a client has a problem with a member and the member just won't play ball with them for whatever reason, the client can contact the association and we offer that mediation session. We will step in and we don't care if it takes a week, Clive, or a month or two months to get to an amicable resolution with the client and the member. That's what we are there for. On the other hand, Clive, if we've got a professional non-payer, all members have access to a full legal service helpline and claims line through Markel Law, which means that they can contact the company at any time if they've got somebody who they think, hmm, professional non-payer, not going to pay me. So we need to act on this and jump onto the PDA's legal services. More reason with professional non-payers, though, to, to make sure you're having staged payments and get an early stage payment. So that proves Absolutely. that yeah, we pay. always encourage uh, Clive to get a deposit down first of all. I know some clients are reluctant to doing this, but I think if the client is worth their weight in salt, well, basically they can give the decorator, uh, you know, a deposit and do stage payments. But a lot of them, Clive, they will leave it to the very end, trust the client, and then when something goes wrong, and that's where the cash flow problems come in. Yeah, I mean, client trust is, uh, client and trade person trust is, is massive. I don't understand that. Fix Radio, made for the trade. What are the biggest challenges that the industry is facing right now? Well, at the moment, uh, Clyde, it seems to be since since Brexit, a lot of members have been struggling with uh, getting all the materials. We all know there's been raw material uh, issues with the war in Ukraine and Brexit. So I know that a lot of the manufacturers have had problems 
uh, getting all of the raw materials to manufacture paints and things. So we tend to work with our associate partners or other manufacturers, and they will give us the updates about what's the latest shortages, when they will be uh, hopefully been rectified, and what is the stock like in a lot of the local merchants across the country. So we can pass this on to the member so they can ensure that they can actually get hold of the product to continue um, their work. Like you did mention, Clive, about the COVID situation. Uh, funnily enough, during those two two years, especially in 2020, we saw the membership increase really, really big because we've got the direct links with government, cabinet office. So rather than these tradespeople looking around for information, classing, oh, can I work here? What can we do? What's the restrictions? We had a dedicated area on our website, and every day we would be in contact with government, cabinet office officials. They would be giving us the information to place on this one platform. So it was basically a one-stop shop for the decker to find the information to ensure that they were actually complying with all the uh, legislation during that period. Sadly, Neil, we are running out of time, but I've got a couple of last questions for you. The one thing that we do push here big time is apprentices and training and facilitating those apprenticeships. Um, they're really key issues for the future of, of the industry in general. Um, how is your association looking to attract more apprentices? What we do, Clive, is obviously on this area... As you say, these uh, new, new apprentices, they're going to be obviously in the future, you know, employees uh, of, of, of people who's listening to this show, eventually employers and also our new members. So we work collectively with CITB about apprenticeships. We promote apprenticeships. We run numerous apprentice competitions throughout the year to encourage these people to showcase their talents. And we've been recently working with the Institute of Apprenticeships to actually reinstate the new level three, which was actually took down a few years ago. There was a level two, but we're working with them now to say, look, we do need a level three qualification to ensure these people have got the correct craft for the future. And just finally, in the article in the Painting Decorating News, uh, you say you can save your members money. Just, just try and give us an idea, a rough idea of, of how you can do that. I will, Clive. Yeah, obviously, in this in this day and age now, where obviously we see climbing costs every day, so working alongside our associate partners, if we can offer them discounts on products, loyalty programs, discount vouchers, things on like MOTs, anything for the vehicles, all these areas where we can help them to save money by becoming a member of the PDA and they have access to all of these raft, various rafts of uh, discount products, promotions, benefits, holiday discount vouchers. Because, you know, it's not, it's not always about work, Clive. Sometimes private life, personal life actually can cost money. So being a member of the PDA, they can access all of this raft of money-saving benefits. Okay, uh, Neil, it's uh, been great talking to you. But finally, just tell us if there's any paints and decorators out there that want to join the association, how do they do it? All they do is if they go to our website, which is www.paintingdecorating.co.uk, and on there they can click on the Join the PDA, click the tab, and our recruiter, Paul, will give them a no-obligation call, Clive. Brilliant. Uh, Neil, thank you so much for joining us on the Clive Follin Show. We really appreciate it. Have a great rest of the day. You're very welcome. Thanks, Clive. Cheers. Fix Radio. Bish, bash, bosh. On the line right now and here to help us understand why trade associations may be able to help us is Fiona Harper, Director of Employment and Skills at Select. Fiona, question number one. How are your membership numbers currently? Are they up or down? Has it been tougher to entice new members due to the current climate? 
Uh, well, Select is one of the largest uh, trade associations in the UK, and it is the largest trade association in Scotland. But before we went into lockdown in uh, March 2020, along with everyone else, our membership was around 1,240, maybe 1,245. Um, and at the end of June this year, uh, 2022, we are sitting at 1,249 member companies. So we've gone up by a few, um, but we also have another 21 applications for membership uh, being processed. And you still um, held we, on, you still held on to your originals as well, which is great. Yes, our analytics show that the vast majority of those coming out of membership over the last two years were due to mainly retirements or the company no longer trading. Um, or even carrying out electrical work. But no one is telling us they're leaving because they no longer want to be part of a trade association. And our retention rates are extremely high. We anticipated losing a lot of members due to COVID and shutdown, but it hasn't been the case and we're delighted um, and working hard to keep them interested. Now, Select has been actively lobbying the government on several issues, including retention payments for contractors. How effective has this been? And do you think we're going to have retention payments banned even? Uh, and how big an issue are retention payments for electrical contractors? Do many use it anyway? Use it is maybe the wrong way to put it. Subjected to it is probably a better way. This has been a long running campaign. Um, I think, you know, Alan Wilson, our managing director, often says this is this retention stems from the Victorian era and they've been an issue. Um, our members do suffer from poor payment practices, late with health funds. It, it impacts their cash flow. Um, we know that it puts livelihoods into jeopardy. We know that it causes stress and mental health issues. Um, and we are working alongside uh, a lot of other trade associations, industry partners, uh, pressing Scottish Government on how to improve how and when payments are made. And um, it's, it's a long, long process. It's very difficult. You ask, do you think we're going to have retention payment banned, that would be wonderful. It really would be good. Um, but um, the, the way con construction and contracts operate makes that very difficult to change. But we are continuing to push our, our views forward. And, um, you know, we've come up with um, suggestions like project bank accounts. Um, but uh, we, we, we are still fighting on behalf of members behind the scenes um, and fighting for a fairer payment landscape for all. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things at the minute, it's a big discussion, but um, what about the solving the skills gap? We've got this massive black hole that's going to be appearing by about 2025 across the country. Uh, what are the key policies you might have in this area and how effective has Select been uh, given the size of the potential skills shortfall? A lot of what we do is behind the scenes. Um, it's all uh, for our members. We're a not-for-profit organisation, as are most trade associations. Um, but we work with uh, various agencies uh, within Scottish Government and around Scottish Government, like Skills Development Scotland, the Scottish Qualifications Authority, um, and many others. Um, we have a policy um, and electricians on the call will understand that becoming an electrician doesn't happen overnight. It is a long apprenticeship and it's a, a very detailed, intense apprenticeship. 
and that's because the work they carry out is safety critical. So they work to uh, a lot of provisions and regulations, particularly the BS7671 um, regulations, which are the wiring regs, um, colloquially known. And um, what we do is we actually believe um, and can prove that all electricians can carry out any uh, skills um, or carry out their skills with any technology, be that solar photovoltaic, uh, ground source heat pumps, underfloor heating, smart heating um, installation. And the approach we've taken is that, you know, electricians should be able to apply their knowledge. Now, we've worked with a number of colleges throughout Scotland, um, and what we want to provide and have been working hard to provide with the colleges, with other training providers, is talk-up skills. Um, best example we have of that is electric vehicle charging. Uh, installation units, we work very closely with um, um, a number of colleges to, to deliver the Sitting Guilds uh, course on EV charging unit installation. And we have chosen to do that because it's accredited um, and um, we know that it is a bona fide course. And we will we provide that in the sense that that makes somebody more able to install these units. We do not yeah. uh, subscribe to the view that you can take anybody off the streets and, and teach them an aspect of electrical installation. We believe you need the whole picture to understand how dangerous it can be and why you have to have suitably qualified people who install safely and properly. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Fiona, uh, it's been great talking to you. Uh, if anybody wants to get involved uh, with Select, how would they do that? Well, uh, the easiest way is to type in Select into Google and our website will come up near the top um, and um, look into that. Uh, and uh, there's various aspects, shows all our services, all the provisions we provide members and their contact email addresses and um, numbers. You can phone Brilliant. us on 0131445 as well. Um, Brilliant, so, Fiona. Yeah. Uh, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for sparing the time on the Clive Follin Show. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day and hopefully we'll speak again in the near future. That'd be great. Thanks a lot. Take care. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. On the line right now, we've got our good friend Sean Kelly, and he's a part of the Dulux Association. Sean, tell us about the Dulux Association and why it's of a benefit. I've been a, a member of the Dulux Select scheme for about 21 years now. I've been able to see so many, so many benefits of the scheme personally. You're able to connect with, with decorators up and down the country. You're able to chat to people connected with Dulux, marketeers, brand managers. You can get feedback from Dulux. I guess there's so many benefits for the scheme for me. Yes, I've had a few wobbles over the years where I've questioned, but again, the, the answer is always yes. Well, say, for instance, you had a problem with a client. Say you, you work with somebody and maybe they refuse to pay or whatever. Is that something you can actually put through that association and try and get some advice? There used to be some kind of legal cover that, that you could get help with. That's not so much the, um, the case anymore. But certainly when decorators in the scheme, and, and, and maybe even not just in the scheme, that 
have got a problem with Dulux. They really are ready to to step up and they want they want the feedback. They don't just want people to praise them and say, oh, what a fantastic paint we're doing. If you've got a problem with them, talk very openly to them. It's so readily available. Do they mind, Sean? Would, uh, they probably wouldn't know, but would, would they mind if you used any other brand? No, not at all. Again, I, I'll be honest, there was a, an event at the Dulux Academy on Friday and I was speaking to a brand manager of Dulux Weathershield. I'll be honest, I was talking to her about another brand that I that I use. And she's like, well, okay, again, I guess the, the days of being completely brand loyal are far gone now why are you using that and they want they want that feedback kind of thing to keep to keep Dulux I guess maybe I don't know if they're, if they're top of the, the sales these days but but they're going to be there or thereabouts yeah they're a brand name that, that uh, synonymous aren't they and, and been around for such a long time in terms of is, is there a cost to this is there a cost do you have to pay an annual fee you do, yeah. the The annual fee is is around about two hundred and fifty quid um, a year. I, I know a lot of people do question that two hundred and fifty quid times are times are hard. And but I always go back to the fact that again, what what is two hundred and fifty quid? There's there's the lead generating clients, um, homeowners can go onto the Dulux website, type in their postcode, and that will bring up a list of local decorators to them. So all you've got to do is realistically one job a year and that will pay for your annual membership. Yeah, no, I was saying that, you know, for 250 quid, it sounds like, uh, you know, if you, if you can get it back in those sort of benefits, then then that's fine. Um, Sean, sadly, we've uh, run out of time, but to tell us where you are today, what are you up to? I started a seven-week job in Chorleywood in Hertfordshire at the moment, doing a, uh, a huge outside. So yeah, I'm using the uh, the Dulux uh, the Dulux Weather Shield on this particular job. So yeah, I'm going to be here for for quite a while. So fingers crossed and uh, keep praying that the uh, that the sun keeps shining. Dulux are going to be well impressed with you lobbing that <laughs> in right at the end. Uh, Sean, thanks so much for sparing the time. Enjoy the rest of your day. Be safe, and we'll speak Lovely. again thanks, soon. Thanks, Listen, lo- lovely to catch up with you again. Fix Radio, made for the trade. Today we are talking about trade associations. Uh, of course, they're an organisation that works for the interests of its members in a particular industry. But are they worth it? That's a question I'm asking today in this current climate. How do they benefit our tradespeople? Maybe you're associated with one and you wouldn't do without it. Maybe you've been involved with one, but you've pulled out recently. Uh, just picking up on yesterday, we were doing mental health. This was from Gary. He said, let's keep hammering it home, uh, the message about mental health on site to discuss these issues and feelings. And he said, great show with great guests. Great work, he said. So thanks for that, Gary. Uh, Bang up to date then today. Custom Made UK say, we are members of the IOC. That's the Institute of Carpenters. Uh, But I'm not sure why we continue, he says. I think it's just something we naturally do. It doesn't affect our business one way or another, to be honest. Therefore, why are you in it? It does sound weird. Uh, Jay says, why would a modern-day trader need to be associated to these people? Everything we need to know and support is online, surely. He says, that's interesting, Jay. This one's come in uh, from young Rob. Nice to hear from Rob. Uh, from the Blackpool and Filed Northwest Director of the uh, Federation of Master Builders. Uh, we've been trying to get you guys on to this show. So uh, where have you been, Rob? Uh, he says, I've been part of a trade association, the Federation of Master Builders, for around 10 years plus, And I feel sometimes it can get overlooked besides just being seen as a sticker on a vehicle. At current, there is no qualification for builders. So I feel it's important 
to promote to the public that independent vetting and inspection is very important. Add to that, we've gained good information and knowledge and met fellow like-minded builders who have become great friends. Well, thanks for that, Rob. And hopefully you'll become a great friend of the show and be on it. This is from Paul from the Boot Boys. And he says, forget this chat, Clive! Exclamation mark. What about smart meters? Are they any good? Question mark. Get some experts on for that, mate. Something we're all interested in. It's a crisis. Okay, okay, I get the message. I'm there. Uh, we'll do our best. We'll look into it. Why not? Uh, but people are enjoying this chat as well. Otherwise, they wouldn't message in. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting one as well, I think, uh, for the modern day. Uh, Ray Smith says, I don't think I've ever been asked to join an association before. Do you think I'm missing out here, Clive? Why do you ask me these questions? I don't know. I've never been involved with one either. Uh, but I'm sure they are beneficial. Try it size uh give it a year see how you go uh craig says this isn't a subject that he's talked about these days the elders <laughs> the elders oh dear uh he thinks he's in lord of the rings uh loved being in trade groups or unions for me it's just not important anymore says craig uh well again great opinion finally then this comes in from frank senior at sturman refurb said hello big clive how do they know that uh, would it be okay to say happy birthday to my lad, Frankie Jr., who is eight today? He's on school holes playing with his friend Harrison on the Xbox. Uh, I'm sure he's going to love you for this. He said, well, I've told the wife, Helen, to put the radio on, and I'll be home, home to sort the barbecue out later. Uh, Helen, why isn't fixed radio on anyway for all the time? Come on, Helen. Do you think? Anyway, happy birthday from us all here at Fix Radio to young Frankie Jr. Oh, and by the way, if you play an Xbox, if you play the game Fortnite, I would love to know if if you, because there's loads of tunes even hitting the charts that are on that game. If you enjoy playing it, I'd love to see you doing some of those dances to those tunes. You can send them in via the app uh, if you'd be so kind. That'd be fun. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. Today's talk topic is this. With temperatures soaring during... Uh, British summer times these days, should the UK construction industry, along with the government, be considering introducing legislation uh, to govern when people have to work? Um, the GMB union certainly thinks so. And here to discuss this and more is Matt Williams, a senior, senior GMB steward at Hinkley Point Construction Site. What a massive site that is. Matt, the GMB union has said that workers shouldn't have to contend with temperatures more than 25 degrees Celsius. Now, on the face of it, and, and what we've been experiencing over these last few years, 25 Celsius doesn't seem that hot these days, does it? It doesn't, Clive. I'm, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, something that we've done in the last couple of weeks or the last few years, really, at HPC down in Somerset, is without the numerous reps from all the trade unions here, we've been monitoring areas individually. Um, and what we've done, we've risk assessed them on the areas because it's like a... How can I say, like a concrete jungle here where there's concrete and also that heightens of what the guys get and girls on the floor, you know. So from our point of view, I think the GMB, uh, you know, obviously 25 is, you know, realistic. But in the construction, there's never been um, a temperature given and a legal side of it. I know in Australia, they, they promote like 35 degrees, you know what I mean? Which in the UK, I do think, now the temperatures are soaring and, you know, it's proven over the last few years that it's only going to get hotter. We do need legislation around it at the minute. And all the good things, Clive, we've done down here, and I'll just pinpoint a set of some of them. Um, 
Obviously, water, there was hundreds and thousands of kids of water here. There's sun green for every individual, and that's great because there's nothing worse for the construction workers And because we have numerous sets of PPE on, like high-vis overalls, we have high-vis jackets, we have hard hats, glasses, gloves, earmuffs. You can imagine your core temperature really is a lot hotter than people would imagine because all them layers obviously keeps your, your body temperature a lot warmer, you know? Yeah. Um, and the other and thing with concrete... Say- you know, you talked about concrete. What sort of a conductor is that? It's it's a huge conductor of heat, yeah. and that concrete will stay warm for a good length of time on top of the yes, the um, existing temperatures. Yeah, Clive. You know, and what we've done throughout this, you know, this extreme temperature is we had the reps in these areas with heat sensors and monitors, and really making sure the workforce were looked after. No, look, and, you know, in fairness to EDF, they've done their best, you know, trying to manage it. But we were pushing for a directive on the site, really, where we had a temperature which would at least give the guys um, an area of shelter in where there's a bit of a breeze and et cetera, make it cool down. Because some areas is in direct sunlight here. And I think the construction industry needs to get hold of this because the amount of heat that we have to go through there, like you said, with the concrete and everything else, is just absorbing the body. And don't get me wrong, our generation, really, within the construction game now, our average age is above 55. And if you imagine a lot of these guys now, with that intense heat, it's different. You're next to a pool. Yeah, definitely. You know, dip in and yeah. out, you know. But our guys now are an aging workforce, and we have to try to look after them a little bit better, Clive, if I'm honest. The the thing is, with extreme temperatures predicted to become more the norm, could contractors, uh, small builders as well, be doing more to plan for these events? Are you doing anything in that respect? Well, I think what we have planned for now, like you said, it's only going to get hotter as we go on through the years, really, Clive. And i just like to say what, another good thing we did here, we had ice lollies, lollipops, and et cetera, free of charge for all the girls and guys out there. Um, so they could obviously have them whenever they went for break. There was no pressure on working and productivity. Everybody was doing like, you know, 10, 20 minutes work and 40 minutes rest so that it wasn't really pushed. And there's something really around risk assessment then really where the guys took it in their own hands to really think, well, actually, it's a bit too warm for me to be overexerting. And look, that side of it, I do think we need some legal documentation through, you know, Throughout court, really, to say that it's a standard set, and you know whether that's 25 or 30. Because look, if if it's going to be generally above 32 now, as they say, or 35, then we need the legislation to protect the construction workers who are vulnerable. I'd say vulnerable, especially when they work with concrete and steel, which heightens the temperatures around them, really, in that area. And some of the temperatures, like, got near enough 40 degrees here in areas which is unsustainable with all your, you know, your working PPE on. The Clive Holland Show on Fixed Radio. Now, what do you think some of those challenges of implementing this sort of legislation are likely to be? I think it's a, it's a cost to the employers. <laughs> I, you have to be careful what you say there, but look, it's always a fine balance between cost and productivity, etc. But safety is number one. Anybody now that tenders for jobs in any area in this country anymore safety is paramount but if you don't protect the workforce then you don't win the jobs and if you haven't got a clean record in your safety and look I think that we have to come to a a level playing field now 
you know, we're, I don't know if it's 28, 30, 32 in that borderline there, really, we should be looking at safeguarding the guys. And Dennis, who I think we need to push harder, really, even for yeah, no, construction I... to office space to anybody else altogether. If we pushed hard enough, I think we would get legislation through. Clearly. Yeah, it needs support across the board. I agree with you there to get yeah, anything yeah. through these days. Uh, but given other stats we've heard about tradespeople say not applying sun cream, etc. Although you, you supply the sun cream, getting them to apply it is another thing. Uh, there's a huge amount of work still to be done to educate a lot of these uh, workers. But working, say, in a hot climate, um, how can the GMB union raise awareness to the dangers of working in extreme heat? Or are you already on that programme? Yeah, we're already campaigning against that now in the GMB. Um, and what we're doing as well, look, we're making leaflets and pamphlets everywhere out on HBC ourselves so we can get them round to the guys. And there's no, if they, if they need to stop to apply sun cream or whatever that may be, or they can stop. There's nobody going to be pressuring you on HPC to do that. I mean, it can, in the construction game, some people, men's men and women's are women, you know what I mean? I think they're broody guys, but if you don't protect yourself, then there's, the, there's always the stress of heat stroke and et cetera going to take place. And we need to protect yeah. ourselves from the UV rays, you know. Yeah, I mean, you've already in a situation where you've got to be aware of the uh, of the actual site you're on as well. You know, the dangers in general of just doing your job. But add that in the mix as well with the with the uh, temperature, the sun blazing down. Uh, it's it's something extra to think about, uh, Matt. Sadly, we've run out of time, but um, right. we really appreciate you coming on. No problem. Yeah, thank you very much, Clive. We appreciate the time to come on and speak. Always available for a chat. The Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. The doctor will see us now. Here to discuss this from a medical viewpoint is our brilliant friend, Dr. Jeff Foster, general practitioner specialising in men's health. Dr. Foster, thank you so much for spending the time. Uh, now, during a heat wave like we had recently, uh, are there any short and long-term health risks to people, well, people in general, I suppose, but particularly to tradespeople because they're outdoors? I think the way you want to approach it is what is the acute risk to being in the heat, and that's the same for anyone who's in a very hot environment. I mean, for those people, the biggest risk is heat exhaustion and heat stroke. And that's remarkably common, actually, because a lot of the problems with heat stroke and heat exhaustion is that you think you're okay, and you often just start with very mild symptoms. You might feel a bit like you've got a headache, you might feel a bit dizzy, feel like you don't really fancy your lunch that day and then it can quite rapidly progress and then patients start to then start to get rapid thirst excessive sweating you can pass out you can get abnormal pulses people actually get hyperthermic as a result as their metabolism really changes and these guys can end up really sick and i remember when having worked in a and e we used to get people in relatively commonly who just were confused delusional unaware of what was going on because they'd hit that point of just going way past what is comfortable so yeah it's a really short term risk long term your bigger risk is more about the sun exposure especially if you're in a trades industry or outside and then of course it's skin cancers etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah there's short and long term risk we hear reports on that a, a lot particularly now and, and the other thing as well working in extreme heat can surely cause an individual to become less productive uh, would you agree with that so there are actual guidelines, and these are only guidelines, of course, about what people should be working at. And they say you shouldn't really be working at a temperature higher than 24 to 26 degrees Celsius. 
but this is the health health and safety executive but the problem with that is the health safety executive is only a guidance thing from the government it's not a law so it advises that people are ultimately going to be work better in medium range temperatures but that's pretty obvious if you spend your day working in a freezer or you spend your day working in the baking sun at nearly 40 degrees none of them is going to be good for you that the problem is that i think there's this kind of mentality certainly in england in some industries that you just get on with it that it's all fine that you just you know, forget about it's okay just get on with it but of course actually you're right people don't only get sick but you're actually productive work pressures during that day ramps rapidly down because you have to stop every two minutes so bad yeah now uh, this might be a bit unfair but do you have an opinion on legislation for tradespeople or anybody working in extreme heat where that they they could probably not have to work under those circumstances i have an opinion on most things uh, whether it should be broadcast or not i don't know um <laughs> largely i think it's a case of say i mean the common sense would suggest you should not ever have to legislate for something that is common sense and one would hope that an employer would say, no, crikey guys, it's really hot. Don't come in or take the day off or we will put something in place to make sure you're okay. But, you know, so I work in the NHS and my wife's a nurse and there was virtually no planning for the fact that she would be in a very hot, sun-filled room changing leg dressings and ulcers, which are, of course, extremely unpleasant in the best temperatures. And even with that, the room was horrifically uncomfortable. And so even within the NHS, which you think should be the most well catered for, um, people don't think of this stuff. So I think if you become too legislative, then you become too much of a nanny state and you start telling people what they can and can't do. But on the other hand, you also clearly cannot rely on the common aspect, common sense aspect of all employers. So it's a bit of a tricky one, because I guess the problem is if you do legislate, where do you stop? And what's the next thing you legislate? You must wear certain shoes at work that you must have a heart hat. I don't know how it works in, in your world, but then I suspect there are quite stringent rules about all these sort of things. Well, there are. I mean, you know, we, we've we been talking um, today to somebody from um, Hinkley Point uh, construction site, uh, and because they work in a lot of concrete with a lot of steel, uh, and it's a dangerous site, actually, that they've got to wear all their protective gear, their high-vis, their hard hats, their uh, air defenders, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you can imagine what life would be like for these guys, um, but particularly when the temperatures reached like they did very recently, and like they forecast for August. So having Ooh. something, what they're, well, I think, what they're thinking is because obviously the company that's running that can't afford, or they say they can't afford to to lay people off just because it's hot. Um, what they think they've got to think about. Is, is actually the, these people are human beings. Um, and although they've laid on, you know, plenty of water for them, sunscreen, etc., cetera, um, they, they've still got this heat like your wife to, to actually to actually deal with, which is just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I think it's pretty safe to say that whatever industry you're in, you're always going to have people that will try and push you to the limit of what is safe to do. And therefore, because of that reason, sometimes you have to put legislation in. You shouldn't have to do these sort of things. I mean, I've, I, my mum's American. And we know we have a friend of ours who used to be one of the sort of character dress up people in Disney World. And of course, that is stonkingly hot. And they would have fixed rules that these people could only be on, like wearing their get up for sort of an hour or two at a time because of the heat risk. And this was built into their contract before they would start. 
The difficulty we have in the UK is that because the extremes of temperature are so infrequent, there's no real forward planning to say well, what happens in this scenario because we don't see it enough. Now, it might be actually with a bit of global warming kicking in, we see this more and more often, in which case it's only going to take one episode of somebody to have something really nasty happen for that company to get sued. And then I suspect there will be legislative change because they'll say, well, how did you let this happen? Well, hopefully it doesn't come to that. I really hope it does not. People see sense. Uh, Dr. Jeff Foster, it has been an absolute pleasure to uh, talk with you again. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Cheers. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. Now, we haven't spoke to him for a couple of weeks. It's our good friend, Dave Finnegan, uh, a.k.a. Elwood underscore Enterprises. Dave, with the temperatures that we had, uh, you know, a few days ago, uh, that were soaring up to near 40 degrees, is there anything legislation-wise you think could be done, or do you think it's down to the individual bosses and companies to realise? I think without legislation, um, probably some of the bigger companies, the bigger sites, um, would probably take advantage of situations as you sort of expect the bigger companies to do. I mean, if there isn't something in place to say that you have to do this or the conditions have to be a certain way, then they'll never do it off their own back because they only look at the bottom line. Um, I think where it comes to smaller builders like myself um, and anyone doing sort of domestic works, um, it's very much down to being sensible. I mean, when we had that, you know, that weather forecast that, you know, last Sunday, whatever it was, I dropped my, my message out to the group chat, obviously where, where my workers are going to be the next day and so on. And I just made a point of saying, be sensible, take shade breaks, drink plenty of water, sun cream, hats, look after yourselves because you don't want to be off work with sunstroke. Because at the end of the day, you know, you, you can end up you can end up hurting yourself and there's no point being daft. I mean, I personally, I, I really enjoyed the heat. <laughs> um, I had a great time. And, you know, what we do is a, a manual job and you've just got to be sensible. I don't think it's any more extreme or any different than than a normal hot summer's day. If you're doing manual work, drink plenty of water, take a shade break if you need one, stick a cap on. And um, and don't be a donut, really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you know what? I'm just thinking now as well. When you think about the hot climate like Spain, Portugal, places like that, they have their siesta moments. So what they do is, and I know this, I know this then breaks into your evening as such, but they have the start early, uh, break over a certain period around the hottest part of the day, and then they they resume when it's when the temperatures cooled a little. Do you ever foresee, if, if we're in a situation like this, uh, on a regular basis, as the meteorologists are telling us, do you think through certain summer parts, weeks, days, whatever it might be, or, or the whole season, that we, we may be able to turn to that sort of uh, application? I get the premise of it and I understand it. I know they do it in Australia a lot. I mean, um, some of my family members went out and worked in Australia and they basically start at like 5 a.m and they knock off at two because it just does get too hot later in the afternoon. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't think in our lifetime that we're going to see that sort of extremity um, that affects the industry that much, to be honest with you. I mean, you'd be talking about week after week of those, you know, high 30s, 40 degrees for it to even become a thing. Do you know what I mean? I think once it gets, you know, mid-20s, early 30s, I think I think it's great working outside, and I, I, and I know that most most construction workers actually love being out in the sun. I mean, it can be fifteen degrees, and the sun peaks out from a cloud, and most of us are whipping our tops off. So, <laughs> yeah, um, but of course, I get it. I see it. I see it. I definitely do. Uh, yeah, I think as an industry, just... we're, we're built tougher than most as well. Do you know what I mean? And you know, we work when it's cold, we work when it's hot, we work when it rains, we work when it snows. It's like 
how, how extremes it got to be to actually cause the you know the general builder the, the, the man who gets up every day and goes to work and puts his boots on how how hot has it got to be for him to turn around and say no it's too much for me do you know what i mean I'm, I, yeah. I can't really see that coming in to be honest i think that is a general i think that'll be the general consensus today i have to say i could be proved wrong but i think that'll be the general consensus uh dave listen uh thank you so much mate for spending the time it's great talking to you uh, i know you're a busy man but i always ask this question where are you today and what are you up to I'm digging some very hard ground. Uh, I'm going to put a, a little sleeper retaining wall up um, at the back of an extension that we've just done. So we've just got the landscaping left to do on that. And then that's that job wrapped up. So that's what I'm up to today, digging some very hard ground. <laughs> Good lad. Uh, listen, it's, as I say, it's always great talking to you. Thanks for sparing the time. Uh, and no doubt we'll speak again soon. The Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. Uh, great to have your company as ever. I'm asking you today when it's hot, too hot to work with the future forecasts of global warming, etc. Do you think we need legislation to help, uh, well, help us on site, really, not to have to work on those mega hot days if they're on the way? Uh, this one from Custom Made says, be serious, Clive, come on now. My father-in-law worked as a metal smelter uh, for Lloyd's in the black country and the temperature was thousands of degrees. Don't be going all soft on us now. And he also finished off with, oh, I love park life, though. Uh, that was the first track we opened with today. Uh, this is from David Evans. Uh, I need David Evans to cheer up. David, cheer up, son. Come on. He says, do people forget we had hot summer days before? Remember 1976? Well, some people might not. Sustained high temperatures and drought for over two months continuous. Did that stop the men of construction from doing their job? Says David. Well, I don't know. It probably didn't. But who knows? You know, I, I wasn't there. I mean, I was around, but I can't remember it. And I don't know who, who was working at that time. Uh, anyway, on the reverse side of the coin, uh, Nathan says, I must admit, I had a couple of days off and told Porkies to be customers. That's naughty. Uh, that's the beauty of being self-employed, he says. Uh, but I did get called a skiver by the missus, and one customer said I was a lightweight. Oh, you see, you can't do much without somebody having a moan. Like David, really. Aid from Bullivant says this. I said this last week that you're running out of ideas, Clive, question mark. Come on, then you give me the ideas, Aid. Come on, man. Put your money where your mouth is. My, my team work hard, you know. To get these to get these ideas out there, uh, I worked in Bahrain. He says in fifty three degree heat and high humidity. We live in GB, man. Don't give them ideas, please. We won't give them ideas. You give us ideas, then. Come on, if you want to. Anybody out there, if you've got a talk topic that you fancy, we'll do it. All right. Sim well, I can't promise that, but we'll try. We've had loads of new newbies in today, which I'm loving too. Spike says. Um, Yes, Clive, I finally have you on the site radio, working on the cooling system at Loughborough Uni. I listen on my phone too. I work in refrigeration, says Spike. Well, you won't be too worried about the heat. Uh, it's always good to hear from Professor Kay. Uh, she, on Twitter, she just said, um, or about Dr. Jeff as well, uh, just like the uh, minimum term, uh, the maximum should be set sensible precautions and flexibility shown by the businesses, and more important, be a decent human uh, to make working in extreme, extremely, extreme temperatures bearable. Uh, Leon says, I was told a couple of years ago that if it's above 30 degrees, it's deemed unsafe by health and safety to work outside. I know firsthand how dangerous the heat can be, as last Wednesday I was insulating two lofts, no, and uh, must have been over 40 degrees in them. I ended up in hospital Wednesday night with heart stroke, uh, sorry, with heat stroke, um, heat exhaustion and dehydration. 
Well, I'm so sorry to hear that, Leon. I hope you're feeling better now, and, and thanks for getting in touch with us. Uh, let's wrap up our talk topic, then my time is almost done. This from Midland Builders says, Thing is, matey, the summer is here and the time is right for dancing in the street. I love it. Uh, in all seriousness, though, Clive, these are the days we can crack on and get things done. We lose so many days when the weather is crap, so I'm against legislation. Uh, Clark Construction says, Here's something to wax about, though, big fella. How do they know? Uh, Non-paying customers or customers who have no intention of paying for the work us builders carry out try that for size we have covered that topic before but uh, if we get the feedback we'll probably do that again very soon uh, mark marlow nice to hear from you mark he said i think there should be a temperature limit i'm blonde and struggling the heat i get migraines when it's too hot as well um ivan the plumber says uh, no way do we need yet more government intervention just adapt and use common sense surely no nanny state for my industry, please. Jay says, I think there'll be an ice age before the earth melts. Uh, Jed says, personally, I hate working when it's too hot. It really saps your strength. The Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. Today, our talk topic is this. Uh, biggest mistakes on the job. This is off the back of a story in The Star recently where a woman claimed that builders turned up at her house, started renovating the kitchen. Also, landscapers were doing the garden. She hadn't asked him to do it, even though she eventually ended up paying for for it. But anyway, I thought we'd use it and ask you if you've ever been in a situation like that, where you've turned up at the wrong house, or maybe you've started working a, uh, a one room and it should have been another, etc., etc. You know where I'm coming from. Uh, on the line right now, we have our very good friend, uh, Nick Bundy. I, I don't know if you think we were a friend of his because we're always bothering him when he's working. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's Nick Bundy, a.k.a. N. Bundy Electrical. Now then, have you ever been in a situation like that or you've heard of one? Yeah, I have. We, we I've, got, I've got two stories, really. First one, very similar to that, where we turn around we it was uh, double sockets in kids bedrooms um two bedrooms we turned up we said okay to the wife yeah it's height okay yeah no problem at all i think we did a total of nine double sockets but brand new ones chase the ball out some come in i think i started plastering as well husband come over at lunchtime and was like uh it's great the amount of sockets but we wanted them all i think it was another 300 higher um oh. and she was like and then it was then stood there with the awkward argument when I'm happy what we've done and we've done a cracking job and we did what we asked by the wife, but the husband had other ideas and then stand there awkwardly while they're arguing in front of us. Do you know what I mean? They're like, oh. And you're trying to chip in and be like, are you trying to persuade the husband that what we've done is absolutely fine? And that's, that's what he wants. So this, that, and the other, but in the end he, he wasn't having it. And he was, he was one of them. He was, Oh, I'm paying for it. And this, that, and the other. No, not to us, but to the wife, obviously he was like, I'm going to pay for it. And we ended up having to do it all again, which no, wasn't. It, it, was, nice. it sounds easy, but because the cables were pretty much cut to length, we ended up having to run new legs pretty much to all of them to raise them up. Some people would have just put a connector on and put it through, but that not was, you. Uh, that was quite you, annoying. You wouldn't do that, um, no. And then, uh, but the thing the is, though, was, just before you sorry, finish mate. on that one, Nick. Um, so, so therefore, they they surely had to pay for that though, because she'd already agreed. Did surely they had to pay for that extra work, extra time, extra. Uh, cable i think if it had been people that i didn't know because i sort of knew them from you it was a village i grew up in it didn't take us too much because we'd already had the boards that we already got all the stuff out we've already got the mess there like it wasn't too much of an issue if i'd have packed everything away and tidied up then i would it would have been a different story but i just yeah. it is what it is and i think he put an extra couple of quid on the invoice which was nice of him but if i had wanted to i'd have gone well 
well, you've agreed this with your wife. Well, we've agreed this with your wife. This is what we've done. You've got to pay X amount more. But I didn't do it. I'm, I'm, full, I'm not that type of guy. I don't. I just think sometimes it's just. I feel sorry for people. Like the, you can see the wife in the back of red going, "Oh, for God's sake!" And I was just like, "Oh, it is what it is. We'll just sort it yeah. out." It didn't well, take. That's good. Long, that was really. good of you, man. That, that was good of you. Okay, you got another story for us. Yeah, James. It was a, for a favour for a friend. Uh, my mate's mom wanted a shower changing in the ensuite. She said, "Yeah, I can do that. Dead easy, no problem." Um, and I just took the shower front off. Literally, just unscrewed it. And uh, the husband, her ex-husband, years ago, um, plumbed it in, and he'd only pushed the pipe in cool. two mil. <gasps> and did a compression joint on it. And just as soon, just by me disturbing the lid, the pipe came out the back, which was in the boiler airing cupboard. And I managed to flood their entire house. No! Poured through the ceiling, Man. all on the new oak laminate downstairs, all over the new sofas. I couldn't get to the stop tap because some uh, ch- uh, chippy decided to block it and cover it up with the kitchen instead of cutting holes in it. I was there by myself. Uh, she wasn't in. I didn't know where any of the stuff was, and it was like, like it was just horrendous. And no she, isolation she valve either, I guess. No isolation valve, nothing, because that's the first thing I look for. Is that? And I just stood there with my thumb over it, thinking, "What am I going to do?" Like you know, when it's still coming out, you can't hold mains pressure. I'm getting soaked, and I just stood there contemplating life. I was like, "I, I don't know what to do in this situation." Oh um, man, I feel for you. Up, it was horrible, and I'd only been doing it about a year and a half. Like I was, I think I was 19 at the time. It was awful. But she, she she, said it is what it is. She came through the house insurance. She didn't charge me anything. Like, she was good as gold because I was only doing a favour. And, uh, oh, oh mate, it's horrible. I, oh, I, mate, I, I really hope no one else ever gets in that situation because that's why every time we go to a job, where's the stop tap? Where's the gas? Where's the electric? Yeah. If anything, any emergency, we know exactly where to get to it. Yeah. I mean, this is something I always say to people as well is when you, when you buy a gaff, um, make sure that you know how uh, or, or where the stop tap is, even if you put a little map in there, you know, just to say, well, I know it's here, it's under this, it's under this cupboard or whatever, you know. But that's amazing. And so, so the insurance sorted it out, did they? Yeah, they just. I think she told me she had a burst pipe or something, which probably wasn't far off from the truth. And they just paid for new, new everything, which was sound. She had to pay the excess, which was I don't know how much it was, mate. This was like eleven years ago, but she, uh, yeah, she was good as gold with me. I think she just felt really sorry for me because I was trying to get on the phone to ring my dad at the time, saying, "Oh my god, what do I do?" And I broke my phone because I got water all in my phone and everything. It was, just, oh, it was a nightmare. That is a nightmare story, mate, and and it's vivid in my mind to actually see it's those panic. images. Yeah, wow. so the panic sets in and you just forget everything of what to do in that situation. You just stand there getting soaked going, wow, why did I start this? Yeah, God. We, I, mean, I think we all go there somewhere along the line, but that sounds like a real awful moment, uh, a heart sinker. <laughs> no, never again. Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully never again. Uh, mate, uh, it's a great story. Thanks for sharing with us. Uh, so tell us where you are today, what you're up to. Uh, over in Coventry, carrying on a rewire that we started last week, um, doing the upstairs lights. Apprentices crawling through the loft, and uh, I'm feeding cables up to him, passing rods up from the comfort of the upstairs bedrooms, which is lovely. Which is beautiful. Now, Nick, before you go as well, um, you put a lot of content up on YouTube. Just tell people how they can find you. Uh, YouTube, N Bundy Electrical, um, Instagram, the same. I think uh, if you just, I think, I think now, even if you type Bundy into YouTube. I think if you even you type Bundy in now, I'm popping up there. Hey, listen, thanks very much uh, for taking the time, as ever, uh, interrupting your day. Uh, no doubt we'll speak again soon, but thank you very much, mate. No problem at all, mate. Thanks for chatting. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. On the line right now, we have the most brilliant Sean Matthews, uh, a.k.a. S.M. Carpentry, 
underscore Kafili. Sean, all the work you do is very bespoke, and I, and I get it. But have you ever been in a situation like that, I just said? Or maybe you've heard of a story? Yeah, Clive, I, you know, I hate admitting things to you on air, but, you know, the <laughs> truth has got to come out, hasn't it? Yeah, I've, it sets uh, you free. To be honest, it does set you free. I need to get this off my chest. We turned up to a really bespoke staircase fit that we were going to be carrying out in one of the most expensive roads in Cardiff. And um, uh, we rocked up I, and we were actually going to be cutting away the first floor landing area um, to create like this muse balcony effect looking down. So when you open the front door, you see up there into this oak and glass uh, balcony and then we were going to reconfigure the stairs. So the first um, first job was to get in there, get the carpet up and have a look, you know, what's going on underneath the floor. So I said to my wingman, Lee, like, let's get in, let's get started, get the carpet up. He says, how far are we cutting it back? I looked at the carpet and thought, mm, it's, it's a bit tatty. This is a beautiful million-pound house here. They're bound to be renewing it. So Lee grabs a six-foot level, the tape measure, and a new Stanley blade and Stanley knife, and off he goes. And I said, just cut it back about a metre. He cuts a lovely straight line straight across the landing area of this, uh, the carpet on this landing area. And as he's doing this, the, the owner walks out with two cups of coffee uh, and just screamed. <laughs> and I looked at him. I was like, you know, are you Okay. And she says, you do know the carpet, you know, is staying other than the bit you remove, you know, the, the landing area. I tried confidently to look. Yeah, yeah, no problem. It's all been measured. And then as she walked off, grabbed the tape measure, panicking because this carpet went through the whole of the upstairs. It was the landing area into bedrooms, down the, down the stairway. I'm just looking at Lee shaking. So we measure where he's cut to, which was only roughly a metre out. And by pure luck, he'd managed to cut it 10 mil the right way oh. and, and straight. So when we double-checked the measurements, it was 10 mil over. So it could have been cut back, carpet trimmed and, and put down. So obviously that could have been a right balls up. So my, oh. uh, my advice is never assume the carpet's going, even if you're having a beautiful staircase makeover, because it could be staying. <laughs> well, I tell you what, that is absolutely flying by the seat of your pants, isn't it? Pure luck, absolute. Luckily, Lee grabbed a straight edge and, you know, cut it cut it neatly. But, yeah, that'll t teach me to never assume the carpet's being changed. And if, you know, because she expected us to take up the whole area and then have it professionally relayed. And I thought, oh, this isn't staying. We'll just whack a metre off this so we can get, get the floorboards up and start having a look what's going on with all the joists where you can reconfigure. And, uh, no, that was a close yeah. escape. And she wasn't the type of customer that would have had anything patched up or added or, you know, this Ooh, would have that been, could have been a whole mega carpet. costly. Yeah. Oh, could you imagine uh, for a carpet in that no. gaff throughout as well? Oh, yeah, mate, it doesn't upstairs. bear thinking about. It doesn't bear thinking no, about. So now I, you know, first thing is your carpet staying or going. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Sean, listen, I'm always grateful for you uh, sparing the time. But tell us where you are today and what you're actually up to. Right, today we're back in Cardiff, uh, in Lisbane, working on another solid oak staircase. We've removed the existing stairs, reconfigured the joists and returned the stairs around in a different direction. And again, opened up the landing where there's a window for the natural light to come through and then through the oak and glass and light up the the ground floor hallway. And I did check if the carpet was staying and this one isn't, so we were okay. <laughs> <laughs> typical, typical. Uh, mate, where can people find you on the old socials? 
Yeah, sure. Check us out. We've got a, a good Facebook page with, with quite a good following. And we're also on Instagram as well. So hopefully in the future, we'll get something out on YouTube. But for the moment, Facebook and Instagram is s.mcarpentry underscore Caffili. Brilliant. Mate, we'll be on it like a car bonnet. Thanks very much for your time, my friend. And we'll speak again soon. Cheers, Clive. Cheers. Thanks a lot. The Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. Uh, good friend of the show on the line right now, and I'm sure always good for a story like this, is our very good friend James Norton, uh, a.k.a. at James Norton. James, uh, have you got a story <laughs> that, uh, that we could hear today? I've got multiple stories for you, Clive, but we haven't got long <laughs> enough on this show for me to list them all. So we'll just stick with one for now. We'll maybe do okay. another, another call another day <laughs> for the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then. Uh, yeah, so last week, we started digging a footing out for an extension. We ended up having to change the type of foundation to a raft, and there were a pipe, a sewage pipe, that were quite shallow from the ground level. So we've, we found the pipe, we exposed the pipe. Uh, we were as careful as we could be around the pipe to get it all exposed underneath it and around it, etc., etc. So the pipe was all exposed, the foundation was dug. As we're filling in with hardcore uh, to bring the raft foundation up, my new labourer decided to get a graft and hit the pipe as hard as he could whilst telling the story. He slit the pipe perfectly. The graft was sticking out the pipe like it it had been planted there with a a, perfect slit, the exact shape of a graft. That was a six-metre-long brand-new sewage pipe that we had installed after exposing the existing. Come on. I mean, come on. How, so, did you actually see it happening, or did he have to come to you and say, "Boss, guess what?" I was stood. I was stood right next to this this young man. This young man's called Bailey. Bailey, I hope you're listening because uh, the nation now knows about this story. <laughs> uh, he was stood right next to me, telling me a stupid story and uh, using his hands to act out this story. And yeah, he decided to, while he was looking at me to smash the the life out of this brand new pipe. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. that, that put us, that put, that's a mistake that put us back a little bit and uh, and yeah cost the client a couple of quid and very recently as well and only last week very recently only, only last week this is what I mean Clive so if we go back to when I actually first started uh, yeah <laughs> we prob- we'll probably have one for each week <laughs> I'm sure it ain't that bad I'm sure it ain't that bad mate uh, but that is interesting yeah. Bailey uh, hang your head in shame sir uh, for, for that, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah. mate, listen, no, there's uh, a lot of uh, there's a lot of this flying around in the Clive on social media. Of people going on about how perfect the life is and how perfect the business is, but I'm not ashamed to tell you how it actually is, Clive. Good. That's why we have you on. You know that you, you'll put it out there. Uh, yeah, the, you make, the you make is, it all. We, we, we like to laugh at you on Fortunes, James. That's what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know it. Uh, are you so? Are you still at the same job at the minute? What are you up to today? Yes, we are. We'd, we'd have been off it by now if it weren't for Bailey. But yeah, cheers, <laughs> Bailey. You've uh, you've put us back another week. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey, oh, you're going to take some stick for that son forever, <laughs> mate. Listen, thanks as ever uh, for joining us on the show today and sparing the time. Great story as as always. Uh, take care of yourself. Uh, uh, hopefully, the job completes without any further problems uh, let's hope yes. so mishaps uh but we'll talk My again soon mate. thank we you buddy sure, yeah. Cheers. the Clive and show on fixed radio uh, anyway today's talk topic is biggest mistakes on the job this is coming from chris in warrington great to have you on board chris he said clive i had a boiler service booked in a, a, to hairdressers on the corner of a street i arrived introduced myself and was shown to the boiler it had a vertical flue unsupported 
and rotted away, leaving me with no option but to condemn the boiler. This left the salon with no hot water and a number of clients needing their hair wash sinks. Upon ringing the landlord to inform him, he stated the boiler was only 12 months old. Turns out there were two hairdressers on the street and I had gone to the wrong one. What a nightmare. Ah, oh, Chris. Uh, facing the wrath uh, of women wanting their hair done. Uh, this one's coming, but with no name on the text. It says, uh, I've broken a 10 grand Swarovski crystal wall light while fitting it in their concession in Harrods, of all places. He said, I messed myself. But then the manager just said, don't worry about it, mate. I've got another one out back. Wow, that tells you they are loaded. Uh, Clark Construction says, Our boss once knocked a bucket of muck off the top level of a scaffold where we were building a three-storey gaff. It hit the plasterer's sprinter below and it wrote it off. One of the lads who's not here this week has pics on his phone, so I'll see if he can post them. It flattened the cargo section. Wow. Thing is, though, where was the kickboards uh, and where was any of the defence to protect... Uh, anything from falling come on the guards what happened there there must have been something very interesting uh this one from midland builders says years back now we were refurbing an old gal's bungalow in deptford the electrician was in the loft tripped and fell straight through the ceiling and landed on top of her in her armchair she was taken to hospital and treated for shock and dust inhalation and the sparky had a busted wrist and twisted ankle both fully recovered thankfully uh, wow, that is a shocker. Uh, Aid from Bullivants, he says, um, a bright spark's working on a job with us in Mill Hill Broadway. Flicked a nub end in the skip and it burst into flames, melting the customer's front door. What? Oh, man, these stories are amazing. Uh, this is a really nice one from Clark Construction. They say, what a corking show today, mate. Best on radio anywhere. Fair play, Fix. Uh, thank you so much for that, uh, for taking the time to send it. Uh, this one is uh, has also coming. This is from Pete. And he says, the company I used to work for, they did works for big insurance companies. The job was to remove the tiles from a bathroom for a new bathroom suite to be fitted. It was in a terraced house. The chap knocked on the door. The occupier answered the door. And they said they were going to remove the tiles. So the occupier said, okay. So we started to remove the tiles. Halfway through the day, the office called to say, the policyholder has called to say, where are you? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and we were already halfway through removing the tiles. Turned out we were at the wrong house next door, and it was a council house. The occupier said they just assumed we were there. We were the council to do works in the bathroom. So we're not too fussed. The company ended up retiling both bathrooms. Thanks, says Pete. Well, thank you, Pete, for that. Uh, Ryan from GNR Building and Electrical Services says this. Mate of mine knew a decorator who painted a house for a client on one of their rentals. Client rang to say they would bring some lunch and money for the job. When they arrived and the lad asked what they thought to the job, once the client had stopped laughing uh, and said, mine is number 12, not 14, but a good job I own both. So you might as well crack on with the other one next door as well uh, loads of laughing emojis and a crying emoji there as well uh, this is coming from spike he said a painter mate burnt off the old paint on a bay window in croydon with a heat gun to prep for painting only to find it was the neighbor's house wow uh nathan says uh, was it you who interviewed the guy who shot himself with a nail gun when you were on jeremy vine show ages ago clive or was it jeremy himself either way it made my blood run cold uh i can remember that uh, I talk about it occasionally still now. Yes, I remember that. It was uh, somebody that was in my hometown and I uh, brought him onto the Jeremy show. But I also interviewed him on Fixed Radio as well in 2020. And maybe 
we should get him back on. Maybe we could do a, a talk topic when uh, when tools fight back. How about that? We'll try that. Uh, this one from Sturman Refurb says, Hi, Clive, this isn't really a balls up as such, but whatever uh, whatever refurb we're on, we take a dartboard, oh no, to play on the brakes. On this day, we nailed it to an old front door on the inside because it was being replaced by UPVC. On this day, one of the lads was throwing when the daughter of the owners appeared from the lounge on the left in a rush, just as the dart was being thrown. She walked into its path as the lads yelled out, and it stuck in her shoulder. Whoa, that's incredible. Uh, we were mortified, but she just said, I guess you'd call that a bullseye. No, the bruise that appeared later was huge. It could be could have been far worse. We still play, but never when the customer is at home anymore. Loving the show and the stories from Frank. Uh, and finally, Jay says, I'm laughing my man moves off here, Clive. Great stories, but I'm not brave enough to put mine out there. Great show today. The Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. Tarso, very much for listening to my podcast. It means the world to me, you know. I hope you enjoyed it and picked up some excellent info from my brilliant guests and fellow colleagues of our industry. Remember, you can listen to me Monday through Thursday, 12 noon till 2pm on DAB, via the Fix Radio app and at fixradio.co.uk. Oh yeah, ask your smart speaker to play Fix Radio and come join the fun all day, every day on the only radio station for the construction industry that is Fix Radio. Well, that's it from me for now. If I don't see you through the week, I'll see you through the hole in my string vest. Ta-ra! The Clive Holland Show with Tradeify, the job management software to help get your business on track. Make a life, not just a living. Try the free 14-day trial. Download the Tradeify app today. Fix.